four and oh. Four up, four down, four wins for the Phoenix Suns. Matthew, welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? First of all, happy to be here. And that is four in a row, first time for Devin Booker, baby. This is correct. First time this in his career. Woo! You know, this what is an not, accomplishment. The Suns did win four in a row in December of 2018, but Devin Booker wasn't a part of a couple of those games, I believe. It, it maybe played in three, but yeah. he is actually felt four straight wins. The Suns as a franchise haven't won five in a row since like 2014. So um, unbelievably Jeez. impressive what they're doing right now. I think that everybody's kind of in shock and awe around the league, around Phoenix. Uh, I have people on Twitter who are old friends of mine from like middle school who are just like, hey, is it cool if I hop on the bandwagon? Because they were kind of trashing the Suns a while ago. And I go, hey, wh- if you're new to the Suns, come aboard, man. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Welcome to the Suns. Uh, welcome to the Suns Jam Session. If this is your first time listening, we hope you enjoy hanging out with us here. Uh, it's pretty much the best way I like to describe our podcast is we're the two guys in the corner of the bar who are living and dying with every Suns play. And then we talk about it here on a podcast, have some beers and enjoy it. So, uh how you doing, Matthew? This is just I'm good, I'm on man. Cloud nine, brother. Well, now we're in the corner of the room watching the game, not in a bar, just some random room with a TV. Hey, speak for yourself, <laughs> man. I, I watched this one at Blue Agave in uh, North Scottsdale. Did you? About, yeah, had the whole bar to myself. I mean, it was me. You went and, by uh, yourself? Uh, I went with a couple friends from work because they. Just oh, wanted, very cool. They wanted an excuse to get out of work mm-hmm. early, and uh, I'm like, I'm, I'll, I will be not at work jealous. for this game. <laughs> very jealous, man. Well, I was at work. I was watching it on uh, one monitor. Um, so sometimes I was yelling some harsh words up in the air, but for everybody else's sake throughout the office, they might be thinking I'm thinking about work. So I don't think they had any idea I was watching the game. So that's good. Like, why is Matthew so frustrated with those Excel spreadsheets? Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about the sun's victory over the Indiana Pacers, 114 to 99 here momentarily. And then we're going to go ahead and we're going to preview the game against the Miami heat. And in doing so, we're going to actually invite Brandon DiPerno from Hot Hot Hoops, which is the Miami Heat SB Nation site, on. And we're going to talk to him about his team, what the expectations are for the Heat in the bubble, and what his thoughts are on, are on the 4-0 Phoenix Suns. All right? Sound good? Let's do it. All right. So real quick, just some housekeeping notes as per usual. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, which is where you can find both the Suns Jam Session and the Fanning the Flames podcast. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. You can follow me at Darth Voida, and you can follow Matthew at Matthew Lissy. And you can email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. And you can visit sunsjamsession.com for all that high-quality Suns Jam Session content. So without further ado, it's time to pop open a nice cold beer. And let's talk Suns, baby. Matthew, where do we start on this one? I mean, 4-0 going against the Indiana Pacers is something that uh, I don't know if I really expected it. You know, I mean, I think I called the Suns by five and you called it. You said this would be the blowout victory for the Suns and, and you were right, man. So let me. Did I? Yes. You said they'd win by something like 15 or something. I think you were spot on, my friend. I'm, oh, I'll, wow. let, I'll let the great predictor that is Matthew Lissy have the floor. Tell me about what you saw today. Well, what I saw in the beginning, I was blown away by the, the hustle, the energy right out the gates. Like this was a game where I felt like they, 
they had that attitude where they thought they were just going to win the game. I feel like they thought this would be a blowout. It ended up being a blowout, but the way they started the game, going up, what were they up, 15, going on a 25-0 run, or was that later on? <laughs> they no, went well, on a no, lot they, of big runs. They were down 9-7 and went on a 17-0 run with the start, their starters versus run. the Pacers starters. So all yeah. of a sudden, you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, definitely. That's what I was feeling too. I was like, this is going to be a blowout. Here we go. Uh, DA looked good. I mean, DA was getting the shots going down. Um, the other guy I was looking out for was TJ Warren too, for mm-hmm. the Pacers to see his total, his point total. Um, they kind of handled him. Okay. He seemed like to not really get a shot going in the game. Mikel kind of struggled in the beginning and into late too, as well, but well-rounded by the Suns coming out of the gates. Like they actually look like seriously, like they were like, I'm, we're just going to take this. We won three in a row. Um, the Pacers are not as good as the other teams we played. They're shorthanded. So let's just take care of business. And it's what it seemed like right in the beginning. Yeah, there was definitely a confidence that it's, I haven't seen from the Suns in a long time where, as in the past, I feel like they're trying to play catch up to a team that's you know supposed to be better than them. And let's yeah. make no mistake about it. The Indiana Pacers are a better team than the Phoenix Suns when at full strength. Not having Sabonis, I think, really hurts this team's depth. Uh, and I still think that overall as a team, they were a challenge coming into this. But based off of what happened against the Clippers, based off of the fact that they defeated the Mavericks, and obviously they kind of trashed the, uh, the, the Wizards in the first game, there's a confidence with this team now. And it's not just a Devin Booker, I'm pissed off at the world, I'm going to score every goddamn time with the ball confidence. It's every person on this roster has a confidence about them. So 9-7 kind of happens, and then... They go on that big 17-0 run, and mm-hmm. you're just like, wow, this is, uh, this is highly impressive. You know, this is that confidence of that team. Everybody's scoring, which is, again, it's, it's the sign of a confident team. And yeah. then the first ends with a 15-2 run by the Pacers. And instantly right there, I knew this was going to be one of those games of runs. And I hate the games of runs, right? Where it's like 9-0, and then they go on a 7-0. Then you go on a 4-0. Then they go on a 7-0. You know, it's like not the back and forth necessarily, but just yeah. kind of a game of runs. And uh, that's what I felt like was going to happen with this game. Did you get that kind of feeling? Because, I mean, it kind of came to fruition in the third yeah, as well. I- I definitely kind of did. Nobody, nobody likes the runs. Like the runs are terrible. Yeah. I mean, but you can't wipe. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it continues. Some people die from it. So it's mm-hmm. terrible, but mm-hmm. honestly, Indiana Pacers, I felt like they had a chance to take this game. Like, I feel like there was a lot of times where they could take over. They just couldn't hit their shots. They were making mistakes. Uh, the Suns let them back in quickly going into the half, like you said. And I was like, Oh man, like they can take this game in the second half. They just never did. They honestly, they had the chance to where I thought they did. Because right into the third quarter, Booker gets his fifth foul. He had like yeah. four fouls within how many minutes? Was it five or six minutes? Seven minutes. Seven eighteen mark. Minutes. I I noticed it, and I mean it was four quick fouls too. I think it was four. It was three or four. Just boom. Yeah. Boom. And like, and again, this is where that frustration comes in with emotional Booker. You know, emotional Booker is his own worst enemy because a couple of the first the, the first couple fouls were a little ticky-tacky again, and Booker was frustrated, and so he tried to set himself up for a charge. And unfortunately, when – and that was a charge. I'm sorry. That last that, – yeah. that fifth foul that he got, that was a charge. It was. But because Where's of the, the chirping that, that led up to it, it became a foul on Booker. You know, and that's where his emotions he – continue, he continually needs to – work on that. I mean, that's, that's a great challenge for him. And there's actually a moment really late in the game where I, I wrote down in my notes, Mon, you know, Monty, the Booker whisperer, where Booker yeah. came back in the fourth quarter and you could see him starting to get flustered again emotionally. And then 
and and Monty said something to him and he pointed at something and said something and Booker just instantly calmed down and started talking to the coach. I was like, that's it right there. That's the key right there. Like kudos to Monty Williams in the way that he approaches Devin Booker. I wish he had talked to him before he picked up his fifth. Yeah, me too. But um, I love just all those guys combined um, talking on the sideline, you know, just really trading ideas of what to do next, any, any kind of pointers they can give each other. It makes me really happy. And there's a moment where Monte, I forget what happened. I think it was something DA did. And Monte kind of looked over and he saw Rubio in the back where mm-hmm. he was sitting down and you just saw Rubio like make eye contact with Monte and smile a little bit. Yeah. It's like, you know, they have like, cause I feel like Rubio's on uh, that point in his career where he, he is a leader. He, the leader of the team, everybody can say whatever they want. But him and Monte, I feel like they have like that kind of coach. Well, Monte, of course, is the coach, but I feel like Rubio kind of understands what Monte's trying to get across all the time. It's just trying mm-hmm. to get it into these younger guys' heads. So like that little the little smirk they have between each other, like I love that. Dude. Yes. The, the connection between all these guys, it, it makes me so happy. Like I, I just sit there and smile and I just, it, it reminds me of just like watching, like, I don't have kids, but if I do have kids, maybe it's not the same thing, but <laughs> to come as far as we have in this team, like surrounding Devin Booker with these players and DA had that video of like, I don't know if he saw it. DA was like, we got you Booker. Like we're all mm-hmm. here. You finally have teammates you can rely on stuff like that is really just getting me hyped up. And it doesn't even end there. It ends like the bench coming in campaign. Like, I don't oh, know how much man. we want to talk about this guy, but this guy is just He's, in, he's the signing of the year. He has to be. Well, thus far for the Suns, absolutely. I mean, one, we didn't really sign a bunch of guys. We got that one guy who played for Philly for like on a 10-day earlier. Yeah, but out of the he, whole NBA. But, but, he, but okay, okay. I'm like, I'm like Suns signing of the year? Well, they had one. Um, but, but I really think that you're right. I mean, campaign, it's like I want to give him my player the game because he came in, and what I noticed with him, it's, it's a leadership that he carries. You know, when Elliot Kobo comes in or Ty Jerome – uh, they're, they're coming in there tentative, you know, they're, they're not there to try to make a statement or anything or try to put up the numbers necessarily. Whereas campaign just has kind of this look on his face and this drive and he's actually executing with it, which is absolutely like just absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I mean, you look at his numbers in this game and he ended up uh, going three for five from downtown, six for nine total from the field, 15 points, uh, three rebounds, three assists, you know, so you look at the numbers and a negative five on the plus minus. So initially, you know, if you're a box score guy, you look at that and you're like, okay, you know, he kind of came in, but it's, but it's when that happened. Yes. It's, that's the key. It's when that happened. You look at that third quarter when Booker goes down with seven eighteen, it becomes the campaign and Dario Shard show. Oh yeah. And they go and they go on a 21 fucking point run. Like I was sitting again with one of my uh, coworkers and I'm like, fuck man this kind of sucks you know it kind of it yeah. hits you you're like okay Devin Booker's out the game at that point I believe we were down de- or, or up one or two and then yeah, we go down close. and then we go down three like instantly once uh Booker's gone I'm like fuck man there it is like damn the the three no run it's over you know we just don't have the depth <laughs> and then campaign and charge just start going fucking crazy and they yeah. did the same thing in the first half too I mean the first half what what made the Suns look so phenomenal was how that bench again came in with kind of the same swagger so campaign has been an unbelievable addition to this team i think that i'm not breaking any news to any suns fans out there if you're watching the team you know that that second unit coming in is continuing to do what the first unit was doing and that's where we've always had that challenge we've had the challenge where it's like Devin Booker will be having a great game or DA is having a great game. And then one of the two go out and then all of a sudden the scoring, it becomes a void. And there's just this attitude that's coming off the bench. 
that we've talked about before with campaign, with Javon Carter, how they play off each other defensively campaign yeah. shooting the three a little bit better. Uh, it's just, it's so much fun to watch, man. It is. And what you're talking about too, was like last year, the year before the bench, just they can probably have one or two games back in the past of being pretty decent, but just the consistency, we don't expect it. Like we expect when we go down by three in the third quarter and Booker's in foul trouble, that's the game. It's over. DA can't help out. We don't have the help for Booker, but now it's all there. Now, it, you can rely on campaign and Javon Carter, who I guess um, I saw a tweet about, I forget who put it out there, but Javon Carter and campaign, like the nerd out about how they're going to defend people yes. before the game. That is just like That's everything awesome. on the court is just fantastic. But then when you hear the stuff off the court, what the teammates are doing with each other, um, it just, it makes you even that more excited for this team, man. I just, I can't get over it. The bench play has saved our behinds well, in a lot of these games. I'll tell you one guy who's not saving our behind. Kaminsky? Kaminsky, man. Keep, keep, I, I they mean, were playing keep the ball away from Kaminsky. Yeah, Did you see like, that? They yeah, were. Yeah, well, I swear. Like, is he unplayable at this point right now? Yeah, he, I, I, I mean, feel bad for him, but honestly, he I, I is. I do too. He's just not, I mean, there's some plays where, um, he'll get a great pass. I don't know if it was from Booker or who, but a cut to the basket, he just can't handle it. Well, and he's like, just so one-dimensional, bro. Yeah, I don't know. But what's that What's that dimension, though? Like, <laughs> uh, you know shoot I mean? the three and hit, the hit, three. It, hit it one every four times. I mean, hit the back like, iron. Yeah, he yeah. just he can't drive. He can't, you look at it, and it's like, so Aiton is was plus 13 in the first quarter and then Kaminsky came in and was negative 11. And that's what, you know, when I talked about that 15 run, 15, two run by the Pacers at the end of the first, that's what that was. It was Kaminsky coming in. And when you have TJ Warren, the Suns game plan was like between TJ Warren and Oladipo, it's like, listen, just double them. And then they had the athleticism with DA out there at the, at the five to make up that space. But if you try doing that with Kaminsky, it's just not going to work. Like mm-hmm. Sam Cooper, uh, who's a fellow writer at Brightside at Scooper Hoop, said, the Suns stopped trapping TJ because Kaminsky isn't fast enough to do it. I get it, but it just means eight needs to come back in. Play him 40 minutes if you have to. You trap TJ, you will win. Never been so sure of anything in my life. And it's the truth. If you were trapping TJ, you were forcing – he's not a great passer. You were no, forcing him into passing situations – but once Aiton was gone and once they, you know, had Kaminsky in there, it's like, he, that's when he started to have his little spurts, you know, in the mid, in the uh, second quarter and kind of in the back end of, or uh, the beginning of the fourth, whenever Kaminsky was in there, TJ would, would just, his eyes would light up. He's like, I, I can do whatever I want with this guy on the court. Yeah. He, um, what I could see though in the future is that Kaminsky games coming up because the whole team is just doing fantastic. All of them says like Diallo is not playing a course really, or Ty Jerome, but I mean, that's for a reason. They just can't contribute. But I think Kaminsky can contribute a little bit. I think he's going to have his breakout game, hopefully in the bubble. Maybe next game. Maybe he can hit some some threes. Maybe go four for six from three next game. That would be his breakout game yes. to really help us off the bench. Because that's the way this team's playing. It's like you don't expect it, and then all of a sudden, like a player's going to step up and take over the game and help us get the win. That's what's been happening. And if Kelly Oubre has the ability to come back, because I know that he's gone from out to doubtful, that's where Kelly Oubre can come back. Is he can take yeah. Kaminsky's minutes off the bench. That's where I think he could be productive. I know I was watching the Sun Solar Panel afterwards, and some people weren't a big fan of him coming in and getting any minutes. Uh, I know I was listening to Fan in the Flames, and they were kind of saying the same thing. They were having a debate. Uh, they had Daniel Duarte on, and I know him and Paul were kind of talking about whether or not uh, Oubre should play. And I think that absolutely, if Oubre's willing and healthy enough to play, have him come in and, and, and spell nine minutes a game of Kaminsky's minutes. 
yes. don't give Frank Kaminsky those minutes anymore. Yeah, it doesn't have to be anything drastic either. Like he can just come in and just throw up a couple threes mm-hmm. or I don't know, take a oh, couple drives of the hoop. Focus on some defense and yeah. you know and then and then his mentality, his mentalness or his mentalness, mentality, whatever. His, his mental preparation for the game. Like he won't have to worry about that. Once he gets in the game or the flow of the game, then he'll be fine. Amen. My voice just cracked a little bit. I think no, at the we'll end there. You're just so, so ex- we'll keep that in there. You were just so excited. That was two pods in a row. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is how DA is becoming a cheat code when he plays against certain teams. You know, you look at him playing against the Clippers and you've got Zubak and like, that's a tough matchup. But when he goes against like Miles Turner, he just did whatever he wanted. I mean, DeAndre Ayton was a man dude today. Oh man, he was right. There's still some things though, like where I think he um, is still learning. And the best play of the game by far was when DA got the block on Brogdon. Yes. It was like the third time Brogdon tried to go up and under the basket, the block, then Booker gave him the high five, running down the court, and Pick then and hit, him, hit him with the hit him with the pass, the perfect pass for the dunk. And then just a bam. And just everyone exploded after that. It yep. was that was the play of the game. But that was. there's things he's learning and one of the things I just got to tell him, he's doing great. But when you get the ball at the top of the key and the shot clock's below 10 seconds or eight seconds, just put it up. You're yeah. wide open for three. Just just put it up. Yep. Like you, seriously, no one's going to be pissed. No one's going to be mad. I don't think Monte cares anymore. So just throw it up. But that's it. Besides that, man, this is his best game in the bubble so far. And we needed it. And he stepped up big time. Yeah, 23 and 10 from the big guy. Uh, did attempt that one three-pointer, which I thought he should have. I remember when he was there, I'm like, yeah. shoot it. You know, I find myself saying that more and more. It's like, like you said, if there's three seconds left in the, the shot clock, just throw it up there, big dude. Like, it's no big yeah. deal. Because there was one where he, like, he had a shot and he, like, dished it and uh, Javon Carter made that bank in three. I think it was Carter's actually only made field goal in the game. Uh, but, I like, it was as the clock was expiring. It's like, DA, just take it, man. But he looked yeah. fantastic. I was going to reference the play that you referenced, and I don't need to reference that reference anymore because you referenced it. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, that was just such an amazing play that, to see. Yeah. It was just the complete package of DA. It's like, listen, he had a great four blocks in this game. I mean, they kept trying to bring shit in there, and he kept saying, get the fuck out of here. And it was fantastic mm-hmm. to see. You know, mm-hmm. uh, another guy I want to talk about is Cam Johnson. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in a previous podcast, but it's like, is he starting to kind of solidify the starting role as our four, maybe? I mean, he is continuing to showcase that he is unbelievably versatile, that he has the strength to be somebody who could be a a stretch four in the NBA. And did you see his plus minus in this game, Matthew? Plus 36. Plus 30 Cop- fucking I copied, six. I copied and pasted that. 36 minutes plus 36. Yes. Does that even make any sense? I, I don't, think don't know how that, that even works. I mean, Especially he just, when you don't win by 36 or more. It's just yeah, it's crazy. He just, but, I mean, it just goes to show you that when he was on the court, he was unbelievably efficient. 14 points, 12 rebounds, did every, all the little things to help this team win i mean is he again yeah. I'll, I'll i'll ask it is he solidifying himself as a starting four for the phoenix suns yeah he's really close but only if players can develop in this league year to year oh wait they do so yeah he's going to continue <laughs> to improve and like he his iq is already up there he just has to improve like his his uh his well his ball handling is so good already it like, is even on in today's game he had that fast break dunk where it's like you think he's going to be cut off but he just blows he's, by the yeah guy he's faster than you it. think yeah, so he has the opportunity here, which is awesome. Because then when you think about it, if – well, I don't mean to bring this up, but if Ubre gets traded, mm-hmm. then we can focus on another piece to get back for him. So we don't have to – maybe a backup power forward or something, but maybe the backup shooting guard. I don't know. I, honestly, I'm not even going to talk about that right now. Sons are doing so great. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, have plenty, we'll have plenty of time to talk about – 
uh, the off season when the off season gets here, you know, yeah, but for now, sorry, this, my bad. no, it's all good, man. It's, it's natural, especially <laughs> it's natural. when, when, when you start to talk about, you know, how is this team going to be constructed moving forward? Because the way that that lineup's working, I mean, think about this, this lineup that we're starting right now, Ricky Rubio, who had a decent game again, you know, I think they really focused on trying to take the ball out of his hands from a passing standpoint. So he shot more in this game, but you have Ricky Rubio, uh, Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton. That starting five is 4-0 together, man. I mean, that's just yeah. science. And they're 3-0 in the month of August. Yeah, and going back just really quick, Devin Booker, that play with DA I was talking about, the high five, that's like the leadership where I always talked about with Booker improving on. Like, mm-hmm. DA needs that. Like you said, he is like the younger brother, and he's looking up to Booker a lot, I feel like, for just any kind of communication on the court that's positive, and that's something right there to help him out. Absolutely. Did you see uh, at halftime – Booker yelling at the Indiana Pacers bench. Yeah, there, dude. There's somebody. I don't know who it was. I don't know who it was, was either. But somebody was chirping yeah. at him the whole game. So, I like that. I, yeah, I do too. And he went at him like T.J. Warren kind of got in the way. But yeah. I like that. It's like you know, shut up, dude. You know, I forget somebody was tweeting about it, and they're like, you know, guys who are uh, on the bench who are going to be in the G League next year are yeah. yelling, yelling at, uh, yelling at him. So I thought it was I already know funny. what he said. I bet you because. Booker was shooting a lot of the same shots he hit the uh, buzzer beater with. Yeah, and I think the, after he missed a couple, then someone's like, oh, not this time. Some, something stupid like that. I'm sure it had to do with that. So, Well, again, I mean, and Devin Booker, you look at his performance in this game, 20 points and 10 assists, you know, and that's in yeah. limited minutes, seeing as he was in foul trouble, you know, again, unfortunately, but only 29 minutes for Book. So, I mean, I, haven't, I can't do the quick math on this per 36, but it's a decent per 36. But again, you know, just a, a team effort across the board. You look at it, Mikhail Bridges had 10 points while guarding TJ Warren, who only had 16 points in this game, man. He had 12 yeah. points at halftime. He ended with 16 points, okay? So you had 10 from Mikhail, 14 from Cam, 23 from DA, 20 from Booker, 13 from Rubio, 15 from Payne. 16 from Sarge, and I think that before we get into the Heat preview, we should talk a little bit about Dario Sarge. We've, we've given him props in the past, kind of in his role coming off the bench. It's something that we've always loved. He did it again today, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, he definitely did. Um, the thing is with Dario, like he's filling that role so great, and I think he's kind of forgetting to where he's not starting anymore, where he just loves his role. He's still getting 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which I feel like he only averaged like 25 or so when he started. But just him coming in, like I said before, when you see him on the floor come in when Aiden or um, Cam Johnson or Mikael Bridges is out, it's like you feel safe. You feel safe with him. Sometimes he doesn't make the correct play, which is going down a percentage, but he's still continuing to find himself in great spots with the ball under the hoop. Uh, he's fine. He, a lot of times he'll bring the ball down and just make the correct pass after like taking the ball down like a point Sarich still. But he's continuing – to improve from the bench and i love that dude that's probably my favorite thing i know i have a lot of favorite things but that's probably (laughs) my favorite thing of this whole bubble experience but it solidifies the team atmosphere you know everybody's contributing in some way shape or form and dario Saric is doing just that he's bought into his role and he's executing that role i mean he went seven freight from the free throw line which is kind of shocking because he actually got fouls called on him you know i mean normally it's always he gets hacked and you just carry on a couple other statistics i wanted to throw out there just to you know if you didn't know this uh the suns out rebounded the um the indiana pacers 53 to 38 they Killed them on the offensive glass, 12 to 8 on that. Uh, You look at the three-point percentage, 9 for 34. Uh, At halftime, that was 3 for 17. So they took the same amount in the second half. And I was telling the guy I was sitting with, I'm like, listen, if they had made two more of those threes at the half, they would have been up 8. 
I'm like, yeah. so if they just keep taking those and they fall, good things will happen. Well, they took them and they fell in the second half and that's great. And then they went 19 to 20 from the line, uh, which is fantastic. So a great win over the Indiana Pacers, man. Yeah, just fantastic, man. And you're talking about them continuing to shoot the three, which is something I feel like in the past they didn't do. They would actually just stop shooting, like yep. get it, getting better efficient shots. But I like that they're still jacking them up there because you're going to have games where you're not going to make them. But then when you hit the Clippers game, you need to hit those. So the warm, the the practice of just getting them up there every game, it's going to continue and increase their percentage and also just have a, have a lot more wins. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk about our matchup coming up on Saturday at 4.30 against the Miami Heat, Matthew. The Heat are 2-1, and one, or no, they're 2-2 two and two in the bubble. They actually lost today to um, the Milwaukee Bucks, and they are 43-26 and 26 on the year, which is good for fourth in the Eastern Conference. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of this year's version of the Heat? Just deadly. Like, seriously, like, lights out. One of the teams I fear the most, and they can be having a bad week or their their season like record wise, they're not top of the East, but they 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 can really make a difference quickly. Which I mean, they can actually go on streaks. They can go on winning streaks. They can like like what you're seeing right now. They went two and two, but they didn't have Jimmy Butler either, and that's a guy that really he scares me. In the fact that I feel like the Pacers wanted to shut the Suns up for going uh, 3-0 and then Mm -hmm. Booker hitting the dagger. Like, they tried their best, but I feel like the Heat are the team that can really stop the Suns. Like, after the Heat, I'm not too scared of the other teams as much, but this is the one team I feel like if we can get this win, like, then I feel like we can go 8-0. Well, that's an interesting point that I didn't even think about, is now that the Suns are 4-0, they kind of have a target on their back. You know, it's not like, oh, it's the Suns, we can rest our guys. Like, if they keep winning, guys, you know, in this game, potentially, Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic might not play. And you look at the fact that when the Suns lost to the Heat by a score of 124 to 108 back on November 7th, uh, Butler had 34 points and Dragic had 25 off of the bench. So these guys are currently not scheduled to play on Saturday. Granted, it's two days from now. Um, but they might get up for the game knowing that the Phoenix Suns and that 4-0 streak is coming into the arena and they might want to go ahead and try to just shut that down. I mean, that's when you're in a bubble, when you're in that kind of situation, you're looking for anything to get motivated. You know, it's like Michael Jordan saying a guy uh, looked at him cross-eyed one time. So he went for 40 the next night. That might be a motivating factor. It might be, but if the Heat are smart, they just sit the guys, right? <laughs> just, just take, a, take, <laughs> yeah, a, take a rest, man. You got yeah, a long playoff run ahead of you. You do, really. Honestly, if I'm a Heat fan, I'm just like, this game doesn't matter too much. Um, they're kind of locked in their seat a little bit. I know they're a game. Um, they're, they're in the, in the seat right in front of the, um, the Pacers. Uh, Pacers. Pacers, yeah. The Pacers yeah. are the five seed. But then also, I feel like even if they're in that, area it doesn't really matter who they play so i don't think they really are worried about that i feel like they just want to be healthy for the playoffs so it'd be smart for them just to, just sit jimmy and maybe bring them back the two games or the second game of the last game of the uh the eight-seeded bubble we'll be interested to see who they start because in the game that they played against milwaukee today which i did watch because it was on one screen next to the suns game that i was yeah. watching so i was kind of going back and forth they started Jay Crowder at small forward, Bam Adebayo at power forward, Kelly Olynyk at center, and then they had Duncan Robinson at shooting guard and Kendrick Nunn at point guard. So we'll see how that actually plays out against the Suns, if that's the starting five that we're going to go against, or if Jimmy Butler's inserted. And, you know, obviously coming off the bench, they got Andre Iguodala, Tyler Hero, Derek Jones Jr., Solomon Hill. I mean, they got names that we know and that are deadly. And I think one thing that's uh, – tough about this team is they have 
the best three-point shooting in the league, man. I mean, they are a team that is designed to, if they are down in a game, come back and mm-hmm. at any time. And that's going to be tough. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, the strength that we keep talking about of this team is the second uh, the second team and the bench and, and how they've been able to kind of come out and continue what's going. It's going to be tough against the heat because they're, it's just so much firepower, man. They just keep coming at you. It is. And that's what I think about all the time. It's just those threes. Um, and the one guy that really reminds me of uh, Clay Thompson is Duncan Robinson. Just yeah. seriously. He's a guy that you just don't want to leave open, but honestly, a lot of guys on that team are that way. So it can go either one way where the Suns like today's game. They just couldn't hit it, hit the three. But if they can find some kind of like in between between today's game versus the Pacers or in the last game versus the Clippers, then I think we can pretty much handle the heat. But we'll see, man. I just it would really help if Jimmy Butler didn't play because he's a shutter upper. He's going to mm-hmm. shut us up, and I don't want him to have the chance. To. Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on Bam Adebayo? Oh, incredible. Incredible. What a... Uh, he's one of those guys you just love to root for. You know what I mean? He's not a Doncic where he's a bitch, but like he's, he's totally a guy <laughs> to where you can root for him. He's in the East and he came out of nowhere. You love those guys. And I feel like his game can really go to a different level. And he's really just someone no one really knew about. So players like that, I can root for definitely. Well, you look at B-ball index and their advanced stats and they absolutely love him. And I love him as well. I mean, you watch him, and he reminds me of a young Amari Stoudemire. Like, it's unfucking canny how he looks compared to Amari uh, yeah. with just the aggressiveness. If he has his eyes on the rim, he's locked into it, and he's going to get there if he has to go around you or through you. And I wish almost that DeAndre Ayton had that same kind of mentality. But when you look at B-Ball Index, they actually give badges to players. I've talked about it before. And their ba- badges for Bam Adebayo are pickpocket. He's a bronze playmaking whiz and nuclear upside he's a silver and he is a box out guru and consistent performer gold badge so if you delve further into statistics his movement points per 75 possessions is 5.1 so define that's points coming from off screens and cut scoring chances that's an a rating and it puts him in the 97 percentile in the league so you want to talk like a pick and roll guy like amari was that's who bam is and he delivers when he does it i mean he gets 5.1 of those per 75 possessions in a game. And there's generally about 95 to 115 possessions in a game. And another thing is he's going to probably be the primarily offensive force on Saturday, especially considering Jimmy Butler's not going to be in there because he receives 66.5 touches per game, which puts him in the 92nd percentile in the league. So that is the B ball index stat of the pod. He is just somebody who is very similar to the Amari Stoudemire archetype and is deadly inside and again much akin to the Mavs something like that kind of scares you right because it could put us in foul trouble it could definitely yeah but I think we kind of learned going in um going to this game we've had some games with the, with the foul trouble especially Booker uh this last game I feel yeah, like he was a little twice in foul trouble twice in a row but I feel like the Suns are learning they're maturing they uh Aiden had that game where he broke out he had his fits which I love those little whiny fits they look great on him but he <laughs> he seriously has matured I feel like going into the next game against the Pacers and for him and the Suns to really have success, Aiden does need to step up again in this game. It's going to be a tough matchup, I think, but um, I don't know. I, I think that Aiden will 
have to shoot some threes in this game. And I, it pains me to say from before, but I feel like he just needs to throw some up there because I don't know how, how good he's going to do down low against Bam Adebayo. Yeah, it's with Bam down low and those sharpshooters on the outside. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a challenge. And that's for sure. You know, this is one of those games where when I was talking about the, the six and two start, I had the two losses were going to be against uh, the Pacers and the Heat. We're back to back. Yeah. And then I felt like things could kind of correct themselves, especially considering like the 76ers are probably going to be resting people at the end of our schedule. And now you look at it, unfortunately, that Ben Simmons is out in that game. You look at the OKC game and uh, Victor – or not Victor Oladipo. He doesn't play for OKC anymore. Who am I thinking of? Oh, Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder he's, yep. he, he's out of the bubble because his wife just had a baby. And, I mean, so things are kind of aligning for the Suns on the back end of the schedule, but you have to get through Miami on, on Saturday. And that's going to be a challenge, brother. It really is, and you're right. Suns had such issues staying on the court, and it's kind of ironic how we came into the bubble, and now every team we face has someone on the bench that can really hurt us. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got to ask you, man, what's your prediction? Let's, um, uh, I think I'm, You're pretty close on the last one. What do you think okay. on this one? Yeah, because it looks like Jimmy Butler's probably not going to play in this game. I'm probably like 90% sure it looks like. I, I would say the Suns win this one, and I think it's going to be a lot closer, though, than a blowout, even though I don't remember myself predicting a blowout. I think you got to write this will shit actually, down. The Sun, <laughs> I am right now. I can't even write. Um, the Suns, uh, I say they win by six. Okay, that's interesting because yeah. I actually – I realized that by not giving a score in this last one and just saying Suns plus five, that sucked, man. Like before I was close because I gave scores. So I was going to give a score. And I'm kind of uh, along the same lines with you. You know, I look at it like this. Like the heat can burn you. And pun indirectly attended on that one. But their ability from the beyond the arc is going to be a challenge. And with the length of Mikkel Bridges and the peskiness of our guard play, I believe this actually can be neutralized. You know, they have a, as long as we're not leaving the wings open, you know, I think when the Suns defense starts to collapse, that's when we leave guys open. And if they have good ball movement, that's when they hit the threes. But if we don't collapse and we hold our assignments and our closeouts are strong, which is another thing that we haven't talked about, but has been really strong with the Suns in the bubble so far, is their closeout ability. And if they continue closing out, and then you factor in that Jimmy Buckets and Goran Dragic might not play in this game, I'm going to say Suns yeah. 114, Heat 108, which is six points, just like you. Oh, baby, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> I would love that, man. And if we get that fifth win, and honestly, not really joking, um, the Suns can't spare a loss, I feel like, because they can go three and one, and then Memphis can go one and three, which is looking like they might the rest of the way out. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that happens, um, the Suns, if they get this win, I just think there's no looking back to go in eight and no. I'm with you. And uh, I think it's time we'll ask Brandon DePerna what his thoughts are on it, huh? Yeah, let's see. Let's see what he says. All right, now joining us from the Hot Hot Hoops SB Nation site, we have their senior writer, Brandon DiPerno. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, guys. Uh, Would have been doing better if uh, the Heat managed to keep that 20-point lead this afternoon, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, we had the, the Suns were playing the Pacers. I had that on one TV, and then I had the Heat going, so I'm kind of watching both knowing that we have you guys on Saturday, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be scary, and then – the fact that you didn't have Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic uh, kind of came to fruition and Giannis decided to show up in that second half. So I'm, I'm sorry for your loss, my friend. It's okay, man. Foul trouble will do that to you. And, uh, you know, not having Jimmy or Goran, like you, you guys know Goran. You know oh, what yes. you can do. Oh, yeah. We know that guy <laughs> very well. Yeah, yeah. Two times, right? Was it two times? Yeah. 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 So uh, you, 
we play you guys on Saturday. We're recording this actually on Thursday following both of those games. And I guess the first question I got for you, Brandon, are the yeah. Miami Heat Vice Wave Swingman jerseys the best in the league? Uh, yes, I actually own two. Nice. I have a Dwayne Wade one nice. and a Jimmy Butler one. And every time they come out, I feel like I'm the target market right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Do they remind you of Vice City? You ever play Grand Theft Auto Vice City at all? Yes, yes, they do. Well, I mean, yeah. I've bought I've bought one every year so far. So. Oh, okay. Right on. I mean, man. you, you kind of have to, right? Well, it's like there was the um, there's the the white ones, which were the initial ones, the black uh, Vice Nights ones, which are amazing, and mm -hmm. I really like these blue ones as well. And then if you uh, you hang out on the Miami Heat store as much as I do, then you see them go off fifty off at random points in the season. Oh yeah. Oh, right. excuse. Well, well, speaking of Dwayne Wade, I got to ask you this: Is Bam Adebayo the best Heat draft pick since Dwayne Wade? This guy's just oh, dangerous, man. man. Uh, I want to. I want to say yes. Um, you know, nobody knew what Bam was going to be. Uh, in fact, like a lot of Heat Twitter back when he got drafted was like, who is this guy? I know he can dunk. I know he was good at Kentucky. Uh, what's he going to be? I don't think anybody expected this, especially since around that time, um, we just, uh, the Heat had just signed Hassan Whiteside to a max deal, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, we thought the center mm -hmm. position was locked up. And lo and behold, all of a sudden you have this center archetype that fits the modern game perfectly. In fact, Bam drained a three today. That doesn't happen. Is that a sign of things <laughs> oh, to come? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That always happens. You have a dominant player like Bam Adebayo, a young guy, and then they start hitting threes. It's like, oh, my God, here we go. Like, you know, it's going to be another part of his game. Uh, do you think he has, like, shades of Amari Stoudemire, if you're familiar with Amari uh, from yeah, Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I was a big fan of the seven seconds or less. Uh, Suns, I'm oh, a Canadian. Cool. Steve Nash is oh, my guy. Oh, there you guy. go. Right on. Yeah. But um, so, yes, yes, uh, I think he does. Uh, he's, you know, they're both um, in the same kind of league athletically. Um, and I think, you know, what separates Bam a little bit is, well, you know, he's the skills champ, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got some ball handling skills. Uh, he can space the floor really nicely. And man, if this, I know it's just one three point shot and I'm losing my mind over it, but hey, if it, uh, if it's something that can continue, then man, he has shades of Amari and then, and something I don't I haven't seen yet. Well, that's kind of like DeAndre Ayton starting to shoot threes now that he's in the bubble. So we're doing the same thing here. Like, hold on, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole nother point of his game. It's funny you say that though about Bam. It's like, okay, mid round pick from Kentucky. No one really knew. Hmm, reminds me of Devin Booker. Uh, as you Tyler go, Hero. Oh yeah, Tyler Hero as well. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. another yeah, you're dead right. I mean, that's a guy who idolizes Devin Booker, and that he's one of the guys I'm actually kind of afraid of when we play you guys on Saturday because whenever he plays against Booker. And I know he's only done it once, but when he did, he's like, I want to show off in front of this guy. And you yeah. saw that when you guys beat the crap out of us back in November. But as a Heat fan, how are you viewing these eight games? You know, are you trying to use them as a warm up, or is this a chance to actually go and try to take that number three seed? So I wrote about this, um, I think, I don't know, like four or five days ago. Uh, we did a round table over at Hot Hot Hoops. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've played very well so far, but I think this is just an opportunity for uh, Spo to play with different lineups and start experimenting with this rotation. If you guys have watched the Miami Heat over the last, like, you know, since the big three era, you know that Coach Spolstra just loves to play around with uh, rotations. And sometimes they make a lot of sense, and then sometimes as a fan, they don't make a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, they make sense to him, and he's a hell of a coach, so I, uh, I stopped questioning them a long time ago. With that being said, uh, things have already switched up a lot. Uh, Myers Leonard is out of the rotation after starting most of the year. Um, you're seeing more minutes from Kelly Olynyk, who's obviously playing out of his mind in the bubble. 
Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's the opportunity for other players to get some run now that Goron's hurt and Jimmy's sitting. So, like, Derek Jones Jr. got a lot of run today. Tyler Hero put up almost 18 points and tried to carry the offense in place of Goron. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like the Heat are competitive. I mean, like, they barely lost to the Raptors the other day in a game they probably should have won down the stretch. Um, if they had uh, Jimmy and Goron today, I think uh, it would have been a lot closer fourth quarter. It, it had shades of the first time they played the Bucks without Jimmy this year, but without the uh, offensive push at the end. So, yeah, I think – I don't know. Uh, I think the Heat are always going to be competitive. It's a team that doesn't tank. You guys, you guys know this, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, there's too much pride in the culture. Uh, with that being said, you know, it's a unique situation where they can play with new lineups, but even if they're playing with new rotations and lineups, they're out there to play to win. So, you know, Saturday's matchup, I'm not saying it's going to be a bloodbath or anything, but I'm saying it's going to be a competitive one, especially as you guys go uh, try to go 5-0. and Yeah, definitely. Um, who would you rather, though, play in the playoffs? Uh, the Suns can only hope that we can make the playoffs, but the better matchup for the Heat, who do you think that would be? Uh, it's interesting. So, so right now uh, at the four seed, what we're looking at, uh, probably Indiana, right? They're not that hard, man. I mean, we yeah. just beat them by 15. Yeah, so. oh, 15. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. <laughs> well, uh, Michael T.J. Warren Jordan uh, has been – Yeah. Not, not today. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think in Indiana – I mean, they lost a big piece in Sabonis unless he mm-hmm. played today and I just completely – No, no, he's not in there. Uh, he's still hurt, right? Yep. So, um, so, I mean, that – if say the Heat are matched up with Indiana, then, you know, it's – you have Bam – pretty much mm-hmm. able to feast in place of, uh, you know, without any defense uh, on that. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I still like the Heat aren't that far back from the three seed, um, but I don't, I don't think it's possible now, uh, even with the win over the Celtics mm-hmm. uh, the other day. So, so see, man. Uh, yeah. So we know Bam and we know Jimmy Butler and we definitely know Goran Dragic. Who's the one member of the Heat that Suns fans should keep an eye on, not name Adebayo, Butler, or Dragic, especially considering two of them might not play on Saturday? You got to watch out for the second best three-point shooter in the league. Duncan yeah. Robinson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He always has a good game. He had a good game against us last time too. Remember that, Matthew? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, he's one of those guys, well, just for me, where I'll be um, really nervous to watch the game against our – not, I'm really nervous that the Suns can't handle Tyler Hero. And then it's Duncan Robinson yeah. that usually has like the greater game and he's the better three-point shooter. I feel like Tyler Hero gets a lot of talk, but Duncan Robinson I feel like flies under the radar a lot. Absolutely. I mean, like this is a guy who um, over the last 10 games before the season paused – was averaging five threes a game, you know? It's just, yeah. he doesn't miss. Uh, I, I think teams are finally starting to figure that out a little bit. Um, the way the Raptors defended him on Monday uh, was like as if he was Steph Curry. And um, I think a lot of teams are going to try to pick up on that a little bit. But, man, when this guy gets free, like, it's it's lights out. It's crazy. And, and Jay Crowder now is hitting all of his threes also. So um, Miami has a lot of deep threats. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why they're per- – it's like, I want to say they're the team specifically built to beat the Bucks, which you saw in the first half today. But, uh, you know, uh, they yeah. – I, I, hate, I hate to harp on Hassan or anything, but they got shooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is uh, – speaking of Tyler Hero, though, what, what do you think his ceiling is going forward? I don't know. He's what? He's 20 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of confidence in that guy, dude. Tons. Um. You know, sky's the limit for him, really. Uh, I'd like to see 
you know, his defense improve. And if he can improve his defense, then he'll be a hell of a player. Um, like you said, his, his confidence is off the chain. I mean, look at some of the shots this guy has taken. Uh, there was a game earlier in the season against Chicago where he put the team on his back and just delivered an incredibly clutch performance and then did the same um, against Philadelphia right around Christmas time. You know, like he's a rookie. You're supposed to be scared to shoot those shots and he isn't. So no, um, he's not. I can't even tell you what his ceiling is right now, um, especially especially under, you know, under Spo and uh, and the Heat development team, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a, a tough matchup again on Saturday as well. And, you know, when you talk about the Heat, what do you think your strengths are as a team and what are your weaknesses so we can tell the team and they can exploit those weaknesses? Absolutely. <laughs> Let me just give you guys the blueprint right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Um, I think I think where Miami um, doesn't get a lot of credit is their three-point shooting. Um, I mean, uh, I think I think earlier in the season, especially, I don't think anybody thought they had, had shooting threats. I mean, you saw that in media with different people and that kind of thing. Um, they share the ball working properly. They'll pass the ball about three times before they find an open shot. Um, it works really well when it works. I, I mean, today, uh, well, even Hero was playing a little bit of point guard uh, against the Celtics. Um, he could pass the ball around a little bit, and he found Jay Crowder open right, right, at, the, right at the three-point line. It's like if they're sharing the ball, it's, they're a really, really good team. So I think offensively, when their shots are falling, they look like they can be a championship contender. Mm-hmm. When the Heat mm-hmm. are missing their shots, then you get a third quarter like you did today against the Bucks. Oh, okay. Very nice. It's, it's, it, it's really that. Also, in terms of weaknesses mm-hmm. – uh, Miami's defense is not where it should be, and uh, and it's bugged me all season. Uh, like, it's just they play a lot of two three zone, and if the if the Heat are playing a two three zone, then they're open. Uh, they leave the other team open to shoot threes all day, and sometimes this gets us. Uh, that's get that gets us in a ton of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be better. I mean, we have mm-hmm. literal defensive all stars on our team, and Andre Iguodala, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. I mean. Uh, Bam was the Giannis stopper up until this afternoon, right? But I still blame foul trouble for him not being in the shutdown. Um, uh, Jay Crowder also is a you know is a great defender. So mm-hmm. you know to see the Heat struggle and give up a lot of um, points in their shell is uh, is kind of a bummer. Um, I don't know how Spo's been kind of alternating out of the two three zone a little bit. Um, I, against the Celtics, they played man for about the first half, and before that, they hadn't used the two three in the bubble mm-hmm. at all. So okay. they've kind of been moving back and forth a little bit. So, um, I mean, I'm obviously not part of the heat coaching staff and, you know, that's a, <laughs> they get paid a lot of money to do what they do, but it's like, you know, the two, three zone against the Celtics, uh, oh, sorry, against the Suns where you guys have Devin Booker who can shoot the lights out probably isn't the best move, but hell, let's see what happens. So, um, for the Miami heat fans, like how do you guys view the Suns from afar? Um, like, what do you guys – I know Devin Booker just had the huge shot, but maybe before that, like, what was our – I mean, probably a poor rep, but what was the rep around the league or, or from, from Miami fans about the Phoenix Suns? I mean, in my in my opinion, I, I have a bunch of buddies who are Phoenix Suns fans, so I hear a lot oh, of – Oh, nice. God bless actually, those guys. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually I actually like quite like that. A uh, shout-out to Mike Cohen, uh, who's all, you know, one of, the, one of the big Suns fans I know. This man at your wedding, future uh, godfather. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, you know, uh, going into the bubble, I think you guys were viewed as an afterthought. Um, you know, a team that is has some pieces, but 
wouldn't be able to get anything done. Um, I, was it Zach Lowe or somebody who said that like they were one of the teams that didn't belong? Yep. They all said it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all, Every, everybody. You can line them up. So like did. props to you guys for proving pretty much everybody wrong. I um, look uh, now that Memphis has lost Aaron Jackson Jr. I mean, I would love to see a play in between say Portland and the Suns. Yes. You know, I wouldn't yeah. hate it if you guys got in <laughs> just like uh, I look, I look at Suns fans. I look at you guys, you guys are tortured for no good reason. You know, every every time every time something looks good and it looks like it's going to be a good season, something bites you guys in the ass. I remember seeing the compilation video on NBA Reddit. I think it was in like 2015 or 2016. It was just one point losses at the buzzer, and it oh, happened yeah. happened a ton of times during uh, thing. Yeah. So look, you know, as the former home to our Miami Heat All Star of a couple of years ago, Goran Dragic, <laughs> I wish you guys nothing but the best, except on Saturday where I hope the Miami Heat beat you. Yeah. Well, well, we I can guess, spare one loss. Yeah. So, well, yeah. well, I'll throw this one to you. All right. So you got to tell me, Brandon, what is your prediction for the game on Saturday? Okay, it depends who we get back from injury. This is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah. So say say that he get Jimmy and Goron back uh, before Saturday's game and everybody plays their usual amount of minutes. I say the Heat, Miami Heat win. And I'm not going to go on a Phoenix Suns podcast and not say that. Yeah. Uh, oh, you, we've heard that four podcasts in a row. Where yeah. Right, right, <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, all I want is a good game. You know, it's a yeah. it's an 8.30 matchup, I think, Eastern time or yeah. something. It's 7.30 your time. Like, yeah. So yeah. Oh, one of the only evening games of the bubble so far. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Prime time, baby. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be let's, good. Let's see a good game. Um, you guys have, are playing out of your minds. Like, if, if it goes down to the wire, I'd love to see it. Yeah, you and me both. I hope we uh, we pull out a win. G- give me a point spread. I gotta, I've been asking everybody point spread. I will say that the Clippers told us 18 points, and they were wrong. <laughs> so, don't make that oh, mistake. Man. <laughs> uh, you know, this game, this game, if it goes the way I think it's going to go, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be within five points. All right. That's all right. I'll, I'll allow it. Should be fun. Well, awesome. Brandon. We, um, no, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. It's, I don't know if this is like looking at the offensive talent on both teams. I think this is, if you're, if you're a betting man, I think this is one you put the over on. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I sure. think that the spread is one of those ones where I would stay away because you just don't know who's going to get hot, who's going to – because that's, I mean, I think the strength of that of your team. I mean, you're number one in the league in three-point percentage. It's ridiculous how great you guys shoot. Ever since you got rid of good old Hassan Whiteside, you opened up the, the outside, and it's been floodgates ever since then. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's amazing, amazing what you can do with a little floor spacing and not something the key. Amen. Well, I, don't want to, I don't want to rag on Hassan too much. He had a couple good seasons yeah. for us. The game just changed. <laughs> That's actually John's favorite player is Hassan Whiteside. I, 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 love, wants, have, I love having him on. Him. I love having him on 2K. He just dominates the paint on 2K. That's about it, though. He's a hell of a fantasy player, boys. Especially yes, a non cat. Exactly. All those rebounds. It always helps. <laughs> That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Brandon. We appreciate you hanging yeah, out with you. the Suns Jam session. Do me a favor, real quick. Can you tell everyone where they can hear you and read you or? Uh, you can find me at Twitter uh, at Brandon Dep- underscore DePerno, and you can read me over at Hot Hot Hoops. Uh, Edition out Miami Heat stuff. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully until October. Yes, sir. You know, well, best of luck. Around. Best of luck to you guys in the playoffs. It's a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Absolutely, guys. Uh, pleasure talking to you too. Thanks, man. Best of luck with the Suns. Hopefully, you know, uh, you get your one loss on Saturday. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, we're talking to you in the NBA Finals. How about that? Yeah. There you oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. I'd be, It'd be super fantastic. Yeah, because you'd, you'd beat us in four games. But uh. <laughs> hey, 
You said it, not me. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, you, brother. Appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Take care. Take care. Again, thank you to Brandon DiPerno for joining the Suns Jam Session podcast. It was awesome having him on. Best of luck to the Heat. Uh, Matthew, you want to do a couple mailbags before we get out of here? Oh, we got to, right? Let's just, let's just do one. That's let's just do thing, one. Dude. It's our thing. All right, so this comes from Shilpad Hop 8 um, Who was the best and your favorite player to play with the Suns after their prime? Who was oh, the, the best? Well, he gives four, five different options, okay? Oh, so I'll say that okay. question again. Who was the best and your favorite player to play with the Suns after their prime? A, Shaq, B, Grant Hill, C, Vince Carter, D, Michael Red, E, Penny Hardaway. I think we're going to agree on this one. Yeah, Grant Hill. Grant Hill. For sure. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players to ever play with the Suns. I yes. just loved everything he did. Uh, he was really underrated when he – I think that was like his best years in the NBA. It was when he was with the Suns, honestly. Ser- seriously. He was killing it. No, he was, he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, absolutely. And he contributed to a winning team. Michael Red, I barely remember being on the Suns. So. I, I don't remember that really either. Vince Carter, I do. A little bit. I remember him doing a signing at uh, Mattress USA or something, but besides that. <laughs> well, how about this question? This is a tougher one for you, okay? This okay. comes from Ree Straw. He said, rank these players based on how high their ceilings are. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Kelly Oubre, Mikael Bridges. I mean, Devin Booker's number one as far as ceiling goes. I think he has the potential to be a second-team All-NBA guy, if not a first-team All-NBA guy, here in about three or four years, do you think? My off there? Yeah. No, I, I think his ceiling is first team. I think first team. Definitely. I think DeAndre Ayton's a first team potential too. Okay. So I think they're kind of tied. It's just like we've seen yeah. Booker already. Yes. I mean, give Ayton two more years. Like who the hell is that guy going to be? I mean, he's already looking great. Um, but then who are the other? Cam Johnson, he said. Yeah. He's probably the last one. Mikel Bridges, I think I put third. Mm-hmm. And then, then probably the fifth Kelly one? Oubre. I think Kelly Oubre has almost yeah. reached his ceiling though. I, I think, think he's, so he's a fantastic role player. He's a hustle guy, but he's also in his fifth year, and we've kind of seen who he is. I don't see him from last year to this year. I didn't see him really add anything to his game other than no. a little bit of a three-point shot in the clutch, but I think he kind of is who he be. Whereas with Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, I mean, they're still so young. There's so much opportunity. I think Mikael Bridges has the potential to be like a Shane Battier. I've seen a lot of those comparisons lately, and I actually think that's kind of spot on. A really good defender, a really good – uh, Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be fantastic. Oh I mean, that's what God. you want, you know? Yes. Maybe, a, uh, and without a doubt with Mikhail, I think the reason he comes third on this list is he'll be on an all-defensive team at some point in his career. That's just a fact. Oh, absolutely. Maybe mm-hmm. defensive player of the year. Um, yeah. I see that potential. I mean, he's so young still, and mm-hmm. um, the strides he made, but Cam, I don't know. Cam, they're kind of tough now. I don't know. We'll see. Aiden Booker are tied. I think 1A, 1B. Agreed. I think. Great, great questions from both Ree Straw yeah. and Shilpad Hoppy. Uh, if you guys want to email the show at any time, you can hit us up, session at gmail.com. Uh, thank you ever so much for hanging out on the show and listening to all of this. Uh, it's a great time to be a Suns fan, absolutely. Um, we appreciate it. Remember to follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. And that's what the... <laughs> And that's, that's what the, the bottom. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gonna wow. get this. And that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Oh, that's because Stone Cold said so, man. Oh, that's okay. Is what is the rock? What, what, no, yeah, what's the rock say? Uh, the rock says, uh, "Know your role and shut your mouth, <laughs> yes. jabroni." <laughs> well, on that note, I'm gonna go grab another beer. Take care, everybody. All right, go home. Love your family. <laughs> <laughs>